0: Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. Welcome everybody to the Nurse Leader Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Racinos. And I have a question for you. Have you ever heard the line that nurses eat their young? Yeah, who hasn't heard that, right? So there's, you know, really kind of apparent bullying in nursing. And, and as the pandemic is progressing, we're Um, in September, middle of September, we're starting to see a lot more bullying and we're starting to see a lot more um, aggression in nursing. And it's a problem that we've had historically in the nursing profession. So today's guest is going to talk to us a little bit about uh, bullying and incivility. Today we are in for a huge treat. We have Renee Thompson, who's the CEO of the Healthy Workforce Institute. She's also the author of Enough, Eradicate bullying and incivility in healthcare: Strategies for frontline leaders. Welcome Renee. Well, thank you Chris.
1: I am so happy to be here talking about unfortunately my favorite topic and that is, you know, bad behavior in nursing.
0: So Renee, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you tell us your journey on nursing? How did you become a nurse? How did you, uh, you know, form the Healthy Workforce Institute? Sure. Well,
1: I've been a nurse for almost 30 years, and I swear I've done pretty much everything that you can do as a nurse from bedside nursing, I worked as an educator, I was a frontline nursing director, I worked uh, for a managed care company, (laughs) and I was the quality manager for them, did comprehensive disease case management. And then I finally ended up in an executive role in a corporate nursing position where I was responsible for professional development of about 10,000 nurses. And you know what, Chris, no matter what organization I worked for, no matter what, what role I had, there were always a group of nurses, I swear, who made it their mission to make my life miserable. And I just didn't understand it. And I finally got to the point where I said enough was enough, that I had to do something about it. So 10 years ago, I took a leap of faith, quit a really great job that I loved to start my own company with the intent to, you know, stop bad behavior in healthcare. And, you know, I just started really as a speaker. I'm a certified speaking professional. I've always been told that I'm an amazing speaker. So that's what I wanted to do. And I loved it. Well then over the years, more and more people started asking me for more, you know, deep dive help. And I started doing consulting and I really uh, was over capacity as myself, you know, Renee Thompson. So I launched the Healthy Workforce Institute about three years ago. And now we are the only company in the world that's addressing workplace bullying and incivility and in healthcare alone. And now there's about uh, 10 or 11 of us on my team and I have other consultants and yeah, we're
0: trying to make the world a better place. Wow. So are you working internationally right now since you're the only one in the world? Yeah, we've done some international work.
1: Uh, obviously, now with all the travel restrictions, we have uh, not been pursuing international engagements. And quite honestly, doing international work has been really difficult because of the, the, the time it takes to get there, to get back. So we've been concentrating in the U.S., However, we've done work in Dubai, obviously up in Canada. They're our neighbor. Uh, done some work in the UK, so we've really been trying to spread uh, across across the globe.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. I mean, I feel like your story is the story of so many nurses. I know. Um, I remember one of my fa- the very first time I heard nurses eat their young. I was in nursing school, and the way my um, it was a faculty member that said it to me, my professor, and the way that he said it, it made me, it, it, he actually normalized it. Like he he kind of, I felt when I got out of nursing school that it was something that I had to um, just accept as being a part of life in nursing. And I didn't realize that there's abnormality in it because I feel kind of maybe we were groomed to just understand that as a novice nurse, like you're expected to take whatever comes your way. And so, I mean, you know, just thinking about like all the new nurses that are graduating right now and Um, you know, how many nurses are leaving the profession in terms of like the definition of bullying, you know, for a new nurse who maybe has been groomed to think that that's the norm, like what is bullying? What is incivility? Right. Um, You are
1: so right. We all have heard the term, you know, nurses eat their young. Usually it starts in nursing school. And actually, Chris, it's one of the reasons that we see more bullying and incivility in healthcare than any other industry It's all, we have high stress, unpredictability of patient care, you know, all of that. But it's because we've normalized deviant behaviors. We say things like, oh, she's a really great nurse, but, okay, (laughs) don't get on her bad side. We warn new nurses about some of the other nurses, okay? And we've accepted this as just the way it is in nursing, And therefore, we become numb to it. And what makes it worse is that we tend to lump all bad behavior into one big category, and that's bullying. We say, oh, she's a bully. She's a great nurse, or he's amazing, but he's a bully. Well, what exactly does that mean? And so it's one of my primary, when I'm working with a client or if I'm doing a keynote or a workshop, I... Talk about this as one of the you must. You know, if you're only going to take away, you know, three things from this, this is one. You got you got to nail this. What is bullying, and you know what is everything else for behavior to be considered bullying? Um, the behavior uh, there has to be a target. As you were mentioning, new nurses, new nurses are often targets of bad behavior. So there has to be a target. It could be one person or a small group of people. So I'm mean to you, but I'm fine with everybody else. The second criteria is that the behavior has to be harmful in some way. If I set you up to fail, if I teach you, I'm thinking of a new nurse, if your preceptors are teaching new nurses, say um, a certain procedure and they leave out a critical element, a critical step. And then sometimes, you know, these nurses will then jump in and save the day. And then the new nurse feels stupid. If, Or if I refuse to help you, go look it up yourself, Uh, but I'm fine with everybody else. That's harmful because I always think in terms of harm to patients. Now, Chris, if I roll my eyes at you, is that harmful? When you think about it, eye rolling by itself is not harmful. It's disrespectful, but it's not harmful. And the third criteria is that the behavior has to be repeated over time. It can't be one time I get testy with you when I'm stressed out or in a crisis situation. So to be considered bullying, there has to be a target, behavior has to be harmful, and that has to be repeated. Here's what I find. I do a lot of assessments. I go into an organization and you know I pull back the covers and I lift up the gown to see what's going on in there. And what I find is not a lot of bullying. I mean, it's there, but not a lot. Chris, I find an awful lot of incivility. And incivility is that low level, eye rolling, gossip. You know, these are people who are inconsiderate. They're rude to each other. It's I help the people I like and the people I don't like, I ignore. Okay. And there's still some harm from incivility, but there's a clear distinction between the two. And I guess I don't know if this is good news uh, or, or bad news, but if you can actually show somebody's bullying, They've targeted someone, the behavior is harmful, always align somebody's behavior to a patient if you can, and it's been repeated, that's sort of easy to take care of because chances are you've got a policy about that or it's some violation of your code of conduct. But incivility, not so easy because incivility is culture. And actually, Chris, that's what we work on more than anything is, yeah, culture. And that takes a lot more effort than you know, sometimes bullying. So yeah, big difference between the two.
0: Yeah. You know, you um are hitting the nail on like so many heads. I'm I'm sitting here and as you um are discussing it, I mean that I didn't even realize the difference between the bullying and the incivility, to be really honest. But um, you know, looking back on my time as a nurse executive, probably 99% of what I saw was incivility. And unfortunately I saw it you know, throughout my nursing career at every rank throughout the organization. So, I mean, I saw it at frontline level, but I also saw it at director level. I saw it at executive level. And so, I mean, if you're, let's, let's give some like hypothetical situations. So if you're a frontline nurse and, um, you know, you're having this where you have a peer, like, let's start, I'm going to ask a couple of different situations. So, so let's start with a peer, like you have a peer, Who's being uncivil? They're doing the eye rolling. They're, you know, you know, you're calling for help to help move a patient, and they act like they don't hear you. They're doing these kind of uncivil things as a peer. What might be some steps that you would take to address it with your peer? Sure, Uh, I and that's actually how I
1: started my business was really looking at nurse to nurse, and then over time I realized that you know what, this they are dropping the bucket. I need to focus on the leaders because in you know, many of the situations the nurses were telling me, I went to my boss, my boss did nothing about it. And I get it because when I was a frontline leader, I had no idea how to deal with the disruptive behaviors of my employees. And so I did what many of us leaders do. We ignored it. Okay. So what, what do you do if you're working with somebody It's two o'clock in the morning and they're rolling their eyes at you, or they're criticizing you in front of people, um, calling you names—the easiest, the easiest tactic is just to name the behavior. Especially if it's a behavior you can name. So, for example, if uh, your coworker rolls, you know, his or her eyes at you, it's just saying uh, you just rolled your eyes at me. If your coworker uh, criticizes you or is yelling at you in front of other people you're yelling at me in front of people and actually chris this works with the uh, leader peers too you know you just stood up and pointed your finger at me or you just interrupted me in you know front of everyone so it's really taking the behavior that you see and naming it okay that's one strategy another strategy and it's sort of my my superpower is scripting uh, it's funny, i'm I'm writing something right now. It's my most powerful script that I probably have ever shared that has had the most success. Let's say a coworker is being really rude to you or embarrasses you in in front of other people. It's looking that coworker in the eye and just say, "I'm offended by that comment, or I'm offended by what you just said to me, which is another way that you can address a coworker's behavior. Uh, another way, so I'm going to give you three for this one Another way is let's say somebody is being really rude to you and this could be a peer This could be your boss. This could be a physician. It could be anyone Is look at that person and do a little timeout, you know uh, Signal and just say timeout the way you're talking to me right now. is not okay or you know, um, you know, whoa, wait a minute here We don't talk to each other like this here. Not Okay So that's just a couple of ways that you can address a coworker's behavior.
0: Okay. So what if it's, I've had actually nurses come up to me and say, it's my boss that's doing it. So what, how does a frontline nurse deal with a boss that's behaving like that?
1: It's a very common question I get asked um, by nurses. What do I do if my, if the, you know, my boss is the bully and I've actually written about this a couple of times. Well, many times. (laughs) Because sometimes the boss is the bully. You know, it, it's a very similar approach. It's being very honest with your boss, naming the behavior when they're treating you in a way that's really disruptive, and especially if it's in front of people. But then here's what I recommend. Now, I, I'm going to do a disclaimer here this does work, but not all the time, okay? And nurses, when they've tried this and they've come back to me and they've said, oh, it made things worse. Sometimes that does happen. However, in the majority of times, this does work. It's scheduled time to meet with your boss. Say, there's something I want to talk to you about. Do you have a couple of minutes? What kind of coffee do you like? Let me bring coffee. Okay, seriously, <laughs> just, let's just sit down as two human beings Just because you're in this role, okay, as my boss, I have this role, you and I really should see each other as colleagues. Let's sit down as colleagues and talk about this, okay? So you schedule a time and start the conversation in this way. Again, this is another script. The relationship that I have with you is important to me. So you set the stage right from the beginning that you want to work on the relationship. The relationship I have with you is really important to me. And there've been some things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, couple of months whatever that have, have that have upset me and I'm not sure you realize this. Because you know what Chris, a lot of times we behave in ways and we don't really have a sense of awareness about how we come across. You know, I um I I feel or I've noticed that when we're having staff meetings and I bring up an idea, you're really quick to dismiss my idea just last week. So you basically say what it is that they're doing. And then you give a specific recent example. You can't say a year and a half ago when, when yeah. you said this to me, they're not going to remember it. Or you could say something like, you know, there are times where I feel that you're not happy with my work. I feel at times that, you know, you're either... Uh, you know, you're you're critical. Um, It seems as though you tend to be, you know, picky with my work and I don't see you doing that with other people. Can we talk about this? Okay. So the relationship, you set that stage. You say, this is what I've been dealing with. You give an example. Can we talk about this? Because I, I want to make sure that we have a good relationship. That's the right thing to do. And chances are, your boss is going to say, oh my gosh, I had no idea that you felt this way. Okay. If your boss is an authentic, good leader who just may be struggling as a leader, maybe doesn't have a whole lot of self-awareness. Now, if I were you, I would also document that conversation because in case your boss is not an authentic human being and tries to retaliate against you or make it worse, you at least can show that you made an attempt to improve things. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's not easy.
0: So, you know, you brought up a really good point, and this is something that I have worked through throughout my career, and that is um, helping as a leader, helping another leader become self-aware. So if you're, let's just say, you know, you're a leader and you're like, I don't, I don't think I'm in civil. I think I'm a really great leader. I think I'm a transformational leader. How are like, is there a checklist or what are some things we can ask ourselves to do like a self-check in awareness around if we are being an, an incivil leader?
1: Uh, ooh, this is a great conversation. I think we're about to have. Uh, there are um, tons of ways that a leader can become self-aware. Um, one of them, you know, we actually um, do workshops uh, on emotional intelligence. And part of that, you know, number... One, you know, the first step is self-awareness. There are a lot of personality tests that people can take. So the Myers-Briggs, you could take the disc, you could take, you know, the colors. There's so many different, uh, you can be, you know, you can go through the Enneagram. There are so many. And if I were a leader today, I would probably take pretty much every personality test that I could find out there because sometimes what you'll find, it's not any one personality test that can um, tell you who you are and how you show up. But what you'll start to see are patterns in all of them that, you know, uh, for example, mine, I'm very extroverted. I make quick decisions. I'm a quick start. So my team knows this about me. I am very quick to change my mind. And I, I have trouble with patience. I get impatient very quickly. And it's something that I work on and I could be reactive, something that I work on. And I've learned that over the years through some personality tests. And also you need to ask your, your colleagues if this is what I would do in a leadership. This is a great activity for a leadership meeting. Pretty much have everybody say, okay, okay, what's one thing that I could do better as a leader in the way I either communicate with my team, communicate with you, like what's one thing that I could do better and, or one thing you think I need to work on. Cause I did this with a leader and she kept getting a lot of feedback that she came across as very abrasive and, you know, intimidating. And that feedback was given to her, given to her. She said, you know, what's one thing that I could do better. You need to work on your tone. You need to work on, you know, how you come across because you come across as being intimidating and then give examples. But I think nobody's going to all of a sudden become aware unless they want to become aware of how they show up and they seek the, you know, that feedback from other people. We actually have an assessment, it's a quick 15-minute assessment called What if You're the Bully? And then ask questions. And we give that to leaders too. Oh, that's awesome. There are a lot of different ways, but I would say start asking people to give you feedback. Um, ask your team, if you're a leader, to give you feedback. What's one thing that I do well? What's one thing you think I should work on? And chances are you're going to see some type of behavior embedded in that. And then, like I said, the, the personality tests are awesome.
0: You know, I've I've had um, interactions where you know, I, uh, I'll be meeting with somebody and I point out, you know, specific behaviors with exactly the way you, you, you describe. So, you know, as a leader, when I have somebody who has behaviors that are not acceptable, I'll put them on, you know, like a, a improvement plan where we sit down and talk about like what behaviors they are. And so, you know, I usually will like look in their job description or look in their evaluation around behaviors that are expected and then I'll give an example of how they didn't demonstrate that behavior. And then I'll give an example of what they should be doing in that situation. Um, and then, you know, like what my expectations are around each of those. Now, that being said, I've had people come to me and genuinely say, OK, I recognize that this is a problem. I want to change. And they say they want to change. And it, they, it seems very sincere. Um, and then, you know, uh, two weeks later, the behavior remanifests. What do you think? Um, you know, and it'll go on and on and on and linger for, you know, sometimes months. Um, What do you think is going on in that person? Or how can we help that person who's really struggling to either self-identify that the behavior is happening or, you know, fails to regulate their behavior? Like what, how can we help that person?
1: Well, it's um, a common A question that leaders ask me. So uh, I have an online academy. Uh, I do coaching with the leaders who are in the academy. And it's one of the most common situations that they bring up that they want to talk about. And I'll give you one example. There was a leader who told me she has a nurse excellent at what she does, but she is disruptive. She, you know, berates people and she gets very reactive when the unit is under stress and she yells at people. And sure enough, you know, she has to bring her into her office. I know, I know, I'm so sorry. And, and I'm going to work on this. I promise. And so she has that whole conversation, spends an hour with her coaching and she's fine for six weeks. And then she acts out again. I know, I know, I'm so sorry. And it got to the point where this nurse would come to her. You're got heads up. I, I misbehaved again. You're going to hear about this. And the leader said to me, just as you're asking, like, how do I help this person? What you know? What can we do? And there's somebody who, who knows they need to adapt their behavior. And you could see that they're trying. And I said to this leader, how long, how many meetings do you think you've had with her? And how long has this been, been going on? She meets with her every six weeks. And it's been going on for a year and a half. Ugh. And I said to her, is it a matter of, is she capable of adapting her behavior? Uh, or is she not capable is she willing or not willing so when somebody seems very sincere they may be willing they want to improve but chris they may not be capable there may be something going on you know they may have some mental health issues they may not be capable of adapting their behavior and then there's other people they're just not willing oh they can they're just not willing. The end result, though, I want you to think about this. The end result, especially if they're just dis- they're a disruptive force on your team, and if it all is in direct alignment with patient outcomes, patient safety, the end result is the same. they need yeah. to know. you can't yeah. meet somebody like that. like how many hours did this leader spend with one employee who still is not changing her behavior?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's um, kind of like the um, the sword that I you know die on, and it's basically you know if if what you're doing is so disruptive that it's going to cause patient harm or another human being's harm on the team, then it you know uh, it's you know time and and usually what I find when that happens where it comes time that we have to depart ways is that it's better for that employee too because for whatever reason it, the situation just didn't fit with them, and they tend to be a lot happier after they leave.
1: Right. Um, right.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So we talked about like the frontline nurse. What about now the leader? So I'm the leader and I'm a great transformational leader and, and I'm seeing incivility in between my team. How, what are you? you know, what are some steps for addressing it as the leader of the team? Yes. So you're saying, um, leader to leader. Uh, well, we could talk about leader to leader. And I'd like to talk about like leader to, um, frontline.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Leader to frontline. Because I was going to say leader to leaders is almost the same. Similar. You sounds just like, say, in terms you know, relationship like I have with you. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, very much the same. Um, if you're a leader and you're trying to address disruptive behavior uh, with your employees, the first, and it's, it's interesting, Chris, it goes right back to that self-awareness. You first have to start by heightening awareness of, Behaviors that truly undermine a culture of safety and a culture of respect. Remember, we've been behaving this way for such a long time that we've normalized these behaviors. And therefore, people just think that's normal behavior to, you know, haze someone who's new or to, you know, set someone up to fail. They they think that's normal. And so the first thing you need to do as a leader is start heightening awareness. And you do that by talking about it, by incorporating. Content, conversations about bullying and civility, Um, you know, gossip. You start talking about these things in your staff meetings, in your huddles. You start reciting. This is my mantra that I recite probably 100 times a day. The way we treat each other is just as important as the care that we provide. You've got to start talking about it to be a great nurse You have to be clinically excellent, but you have to be a professional role model too. And just through raising awareness, you're going to start making things better in your department because people are, this is what always happens. Once you start talking about behavior and it's not okay to treat each other this way, people start reflecting on their own behavior and they start showing up differently. Not everyone but what you're looking for, remember, is you're you're trying to start a movement here. And even if it starts with a few people, it'll help you to gain some momentum. The other thing that we always do is you have to set behavioral expectations as a leader. You probably do a really good job setting performance expectations. But where is it that we set behavioral expectations? And basically what you're saying is to your entire team how do we want to treat each other in this space, in our department? And you ask your team for their input. How do you always want to be treated? How do you never want to be treated by each other? And you get them to actually identify the behaviors that everybody expects in your department. Because what I have learned is your organization, you know, you have your mission vision and values, you have your code of conduct. but what most nurses care about is what happens in their department. Yeah. So then you grab you know gather everybody together, everyone I mean your support staff, your unit secretaries, your nurses, your educators, everybody your, if you have assistant managers, supervisors, and you you come together and say let's let's create department norms. For this space so that when people know when they cross the threshold of your department, you know, there's a certain list of norms that they're expected to follow. And that's how you get very intentional about the type of culture you want to create. And then obviously you've got to confront that behavior, even if it's your best nurse. And that is saying you may be clinically excellent, but the way you treat people is terrible. And look, you're going to step up or you're going to step out. And what happens is either they'll step out on their own, especially if you start saying, "Okay, nope, we're not going to play this game anymore," or you're going to step step them out, or as I I call it, therapeutically extract them from. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that a nursing term?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but it's good. I love it. Look What's a replacement to nurses eat your young? You eat your young. We therapeutically, you know, extract
0: <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put that into my vocabulary. <laughs> So, I mean, that sounds, it sounds totally doable. It sounds like something somebody can implement. Let's take it one step further. What if that person that's being in civil is a physician?
1: Yeah. Um, and this is why, too, um, you, when I talk about bringing everybody together and forming these department norms, if you're in a department like a NICU, um, a neuro unit where you have highly specialized physicians who spend the majority of your their time in your department, I would invite them to be part of this process. Uh, with the consulting that I do, it's kind of funny. We never used to include the physicians at first, but then we would just share the department norms with them. And the physicians gave us feedback. And they said, well, well we want to be part of this too. Aww. <laughs> because, um, it's. It, I don't know why this should be surprising to me. You know, They're human beings too. I cannot tell you, Chris, how many physicians, when they hear about the work that we're doing and really trying to cultivate a professional and respectful workforce culture, they're so hungry for this too, that they want to be part of it. However, so it's getting them involved. And also it's confronting them just the way you would confront an employee. And it's teaching your staff to do the same. You know, the whole timeout, the way you're talking to me right now, is disrespectful. Or, you know, when, when, let's say a physician is, you know, yelling at you in front of a patient, you pull that physician out and, and just say, you yelled at me in front of the patient. So you name the behavior. I want you to imagine that that was your father in the bed right now. You're yelling at me, his nurse. Do you think your father would feel that he could trust my, you know, care? It's not okay. The way you talk to me, you embarrass me in front of a patient. It's just being very clear uh, and and confronting, um, you know, not yelling back, not zinging somebody back, but holding physicians accountable for professional behavior too. And and really, it's the same way. Now, what's helpful is if you have uh, a chief medical officer or somebody at the director level who also understands that the way we treat each other is just as important as the care that we provide. And, you know, I have so many studies that show the negative impact disruptive behaviors have on patient outcomes. And a lot of times, Chris, it's sharing that data with the physicians. You know, I did um, grand rounds at an organization I was doing consulting, and I had been on site at that point for about two years. And we looked at the nurses first in the patient care areas, and then we started spreading this work to other disciplines and ambulatory care. Well, the physicians started noticing that there are things happening. Okay. Now we include the physicians right from the beginning, but this was early on and they invited me to surgical grand rounds. So I had 300 surgeons <laughs> in the room and I'm talking about bad behavior.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: I was, uh, I was just a little nervous. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It The feedback was overwhelmingly positive. And I had one of their, you know, I hate to call somebody a problem, you know, like problem trial, problem physician came up to me after and he said, you know what, I think I'm part of the problem. And he said, I didn't realize it until I listened to you. And he said, I need to do a better job, don't I? And I just looked at him and I said, yes, you do. You need to do a better job. And after that, he went to all of the nurses, everybody in surgical services, and apologized for the way he had treated them. And he gave them permission to call him out on his bad behavior anytime, you know, he would act like that. And uh, I followed up not too long, actually not too long ago, and he still acts up. But they call him on it now and then he he backs down and apologizes. Yeah. So it, it's possible.
0: It's pretty powerful. Yep. So I have one last scenario. Yeah. And, and this scenario is so, you know, I'm the executive at the level or a director at the level. And I have a manager who um, or a director who manages up so well, like in front of me, they are civil. They are kind. They're courteous. They show that they're supporting their staff. And then um, on the flip side, they t- have a terrible time managing down and that's not what their staff feel. If you have an employee that you see that, you know, in your mind and your perception is a great employee, um, how, how, do you, how do you figure out if there is that bad managing down happening? Um, well, I think a lot of times, we, I, I think, Chris,
1: what you're referring to is somebody who's being very passive-aggressive. So they're one way in front of one person, but they're another way in, in front of someone else. Yes, Or, you know, they act, oh, this is great. And you're such a good leader. And oh my gosh, you're the best. And then they either talk badly about you behind your back or they act, they'll say things such as there's nothing more important to me than my team. And I love my team. And then they treat their, you know, team like, you know, Gumbly too yeah. and, and and this is what i've realized sometimes you might get a sense that somebody's not really being authentic but it might be hard to prove or it's just a feeling you're not really sure and what i always do is i pay attention and i listen and i look at body language and if i really feel that somebody's acting one way in front of me and a different way behind my back i'll actually pull them in and sit down with them and say, you know, I've noticed something, and I'm not, and I would admit right from the beginning, I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if my perception is accurate, but, you know, out of respect for you and our relationship, and you you could say what makes sense for you, I wanted to talk to you about it." it. It seems as though Um, you say these things in front of me, but then I've actually heard that you've said some of the opposite things behind my back. And I'll I'll tell you where this shows up, Chris. I hear this a lot from, you have a frontline manager who has two say associate managers and the associate managers will say in front of you, this is a great initiative. Yes. Okay. We're going to make sure that everybody does this and follows this new process and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as you turn your back, they say to the staff, you know what? She wants to do this. I don't understand it. Okay. Um, We have to do what the boss tells us to do. Or, you know, we'll just do it when she's around, you know, just like, you know, bedside report. We'll just make sure you do it when she's here. (laughs) When she's not here, don't worry about it. This tells me that that assistant manager has one foot in the staff camp. And one foot in the leader camp. It is so common. I wrote an article about this. They're undermining your authority. They're undermining you. And again, that's pulling that person aside to say, I've noticed this and I'm not sure that this is right. Can I talk? Can we talk about this? This is what I've noticed. But And I've even suggested that people say, this seems very passive aggressive to me. Say the words because everybody knows what passive aggressive means. So, but that's just,
0: you know, one one approach. Wow. Well, Renee, this time has been beyond enlightening. You have, I mean, really just given so much um, information into the world around nursing, uh, bullying and incivility. And um, it's just been an amazing interview. Um, If folks want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where can they find you? Yes, um, they can come to my website. It's HealthyWorkforceInstitute.com and make
1: sure it's HealthyWorkforceInstitute.com. And actually on my homepage, if you scroll down, I've got a, a great resource. It's Eight Ways to Stop Unprofessional Conduct. It's a lot of my scripts, and that's specific for leaders. It's If you have an employee who's behaving in this way, here are some things you can say. But yeah, we have a, a lot of uh, resources on our website um, that you know the leaders can access.
0: Great. Thanks for sharing. And I've had an amazing time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for an inviting me
1: again. This is uh, one of my favorite topics. My goal is to eradicate bad behavior in healthcare so we can do uh, get back to what we really need to be doing. That's serving our patients and serving each other.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Chris. Bye.